the bottom line is do you do you really like the image are you proud of it Hey, Weekend Hunters, welcome back to the Art of Photography uh, podcast. Now, today I have someone who's been not only an inspiration to myself, but also a lot of photographers out there. Um, he is not only locally recognized, but he's recognized all around the world. He's been into multiple um, magazines, won multi awards, and most of all, he you know, he inspire and he voiced his passion for photography to um, not only the new like photographers out there, but also photographers who's, who's been shooting for a while. So I'd like to introduce to you Paul Ziska. Hey, Paul, how you doing? I'm very good, Stanley. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. It's great to be here. No, I'm, I'm very excited to have a, have a chat with you. Um, you know, like um, I've been following you for a while now and um, ever since I first um, follow you, you have that voice in photography and that passion in photography. I think, you know, you're definitely one of the most passionate person, um, you know, um, that in photography that, you know, speak your, your story and your voice through photography. So I am so excited to have you here. So, yeah, look, for, for the listeners out there who haven't met you yet, um, you know, give us a little bit of intro about who you are and what you're passionate about, um, you know, just a little bit of background about yourself. For sure, Stanley. I'm a, I'm a landscape, I suppose, landscape, adventure, travel photographer based out of Banff, Alberta in Canada. Um, I will shoot pretty much anything outside. I'm passionate about the wilderness, the outdoors. And so I sort of, um, I hop from one genre to the other within the outdoor realm. I've been doing photography for a living for um, probably, I don't know, 10 to, tw 10 to 12 years now, something like that. Um, there's, no, there's nothing else I'd rather do. I, it's, it's, you're right, I'm, I'm, I do love what I do. I'm very passionate about what I do. Um, there's some parts of it that I don't enjoy as much and there's some days that um some days that are harder than others some days are better but all in all um i have no regrets whatsoever in terms of um you know following my passion of photography and um yeah here i am i've lived in banff for yeah 10 years or so now i'm from quebec city originally so um eastern canada but I fell in love with the mountains a long time ago, and now I live here with my wife Megan, and we have two little girls as well. That, that is amazing. Um, I think I think that that was a really important note that you say that. Um, you know, although we all love love the the photography side of things, but when it comes to business, sometimes we gotta do the things that we don't like. And I think a lot of the time, our listeners don't don't realize that in you know through our um through our uh, social media and stuff it, it looks like that it's just all you know fun and <laughs> it's actually not true uh, you know we are all still human so i'm so glad that you bring that out um you know um because yeah that is very true so what what was the very you know how did you fall in love with photography what was the first like spark you know um we all have that journey but uh, i'm really interested what was the really really first spark that make you basically, you know, here you are right now. <laughs> I would say, you know, in a way, it's never really photography that I've been passionate about. I've always been passionate about um, exploring 
and being outside and seeing what's around the corner. And that's, that's still what's most important to me when I go out there. That's still my, my goal is to explore and allow myself to be curious more than it is about getting images that I like. If I get images that I like, then that's great. Uh, it, but I see it more or less as a bonus. Um, it's not photography that drives my, my exploration, I guess it's the reverse. And it's always been that way. And so I started photography well after I started hiking, camping, climbing, getting into outdoor pursuits. And I think, I think a lot of photographers follow the same trajectory where they get into the outdoors and then they put themselves in situations where they witness so much of, so much beauty so many great moments that they feel compelled to document them for one and then they feel compelled to bring that offer that to everyone bring that to everyone be that link um that that bridges those moments with uh, people who may not be in a position where they, they can experience those places or moments um you know, it's like when you see a phenomenon out there, a sunrise or the aurora, something that's extra special, you want to grab everybody you know by the hand and be like, you got to come check this place out. You got to come experience this. And photography is kind of a little bit like this for me. It's sort of, it first started with just witnessing and living really cool moments out there and then wanting to make other people part, um, you know, experience those moments in one way or another. Um, and then, and I also discovered that photography could be a wonderful creative outlet. I'd never really explored creativity up until, you know, my twenties when I, when I, when I discovered that photography could be a creative outlet because I was, um, my life was going, was focused on other non non-creative sort of goals leading up to that age and so i i never really explored art for example really when i was when i was younger and then uh, i think part of it too is i was never like a lot of people um i i wrongly assumed that because i hadn't explored creativity that i didn't have it that it wasn't within me so i never really you know considered exploring it and gradually, I just realized that um, photography could be more than just sort of um, snapping photos in passing. You know, when you see something nice out there, you could actually commit some time and intention and, and then do it with more purpose and more, um, yeah, and, and more intention and really engage a part of your brain that you never used to putting to work in the past. And that was a really cool discovery for me. And it became quickly addictive, that joy of sharing with others and that joy of engaging my brain in a way that's not really, uh, that's different. Before it was more academic for me. And now at that point it was, it became more, um, yeah, more, more exploring more of the, the creative side of it, which was really exciting. That's, that's really interesting. Cause, um, for myself, um, I was I was actually used to be creative. I, I, I love like art and, you know, like drawing and stuff like that. And when I got into engineering, it was kind of creative with problem solving. But at one point, it was about procedures, about, you know, following things. And that creative thing's kind of gone away. And when you say that, I, it was actually, it just reminded me, like, when I first like got into photography, it was very similar. Like it feels like I have the freedom to express myself to creativity anymore. 
you know like it's just like it's back again so what what makes you like what makes you really love this um you know being in a creative world as to compare to you know um the other side of it well i think part of it is just um it gets me really engaged with what's in front of me with the environment i feel uh it sounds super cliche but i feel so much more so much more connected with the with the outdoors with the wilderness if i pause take the camera out of the bag and start to start to um arrange it in some way that is pleasing to the eye or try to achieve a certain effect um and try to tell a certain story based on what's in front of me as opposed to walking past everything all the time and not really uh and quickly moving on to the next thing so i think that's a a big part of it is just i i feel way more at one i feel more engaged i feel way more um i feel like i'm a way better observer and so i don't need the most epic sunset anymore to be interested when i'm out there to stop me in my tracks i have things that 10 years ago i would have probably just walked right past them and i'm sure you can relate to that and now because i'm looking at things more from a through a photographer's eyes i notice those little things that i may not have noticed in the past and they do amaze me even though they may not be the nicest looking the huge you know sunlit mountain or the rainbow or whatever you realize that there is truly beauty in so many things out there and i'm thankful to um i think i owe that a lot of that to photography making me a much better observer would you agree yeah i mean like uh, i i actually that is like it, it was really funny i used to be i used to be just those person who who go to the you know to the to the point of interest and capture that nice photo that everyone else have until my friend was pointed out um you know like i was traveling with my friend at the time and I was taking photo for like an hour at a time and then she would be there just like you know just observing and then I was like oh sorry like I'll I'll, I'll quickly hurry up and she just says like no 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 I actually enjoy like you know like the more you sit there the more you enjoy it, the more you see do you, do you feel that as well like you know like the deeper you the, the longer like the slower you travel and then the longer you're in that place and observing it feels like almost feel like you can see more is that part of the the experience that you you feeling there I would say so for sure. I think um there's no doubt that there's a direct relationship between um the ability to see and the ability to slow down your process. I I and I'm still guilty of that many times. I'll just go out there and operate in like um turbo mode. Um and I instead of actually taking the time to slow down my process and take more time to immerse and walk around and look at what's available and and just um get a feel for the place and it's something that um yeah again I'm I'm still guilty of but I've come a long way and it's something that I spend a lot of effort and time in workshop environments is trying to get people to slow down and trying to get them to pause and leave the camera in the bag for a little bit longer before they start to tell stories with it that's 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 a it's always an uphill battle i think for all outdoor photographer we just um we just react to the stimuli so quickly and we we're just so uh, so excited and we want to engage with the environment 
as you know as quickly as possible and and as a result we don't really ever engage we sort of hop around a little bit too much perhaps so i think for me and i've seen i've seen just a direct relationship to um with regards to the quality of my work i find that when i take my time and i slow down and i commit a lot of time to uh, on average to an image i tend to get images that stand the test of time for me as opposed to a whole bunch of forgettable images that yeah may or may not look like every you know all the other images that have been done before that particular location yeah that's um that's really interesting um because um I, I feel like um you know when when you go to a certain place and i, I guess it might be a, a, a you know maybe because we are living the social media era where we get so um, exposed to all those point of view. So when we get there, we straight away look at that point of view and just try to capture it. And like you say, like, you know, when, when I go to um, the popular places here, like in Wanka and um, um, Vermilion Lake, I do exactly that. I just go like, take the, the popular view. And then I was like, okay, maybe I should look into, you know, it deeper. So that is really great um, that you share that. But like, you know, in terms of your photo your photo is like out there it's like it's 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 one that's really unique even compared to you know those top class photographers yours is just if you see your photo you know it's paul ziska's photo right um so what 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 really inspired you to to get those kind of photo and you know how how do you how, how does that creative creative mind works to to capture and create that masterpiece yeah, well, thank, I appreciate the kind words, Stanley. I think there, you know, there's still a, so much of what I shoot that unfortunately is still very much just microwaved versions of the same ideas, <laughs> and it all starts to look the same. And I'm still guilty of that. And I, I, I but I, I have to say, I fight, I, I fight the battle a little harder as every year goes by, and I try to fight that urge of just recreating recreating the things that now I can do fairly quickly, efficiently, and I will get a strong online response, but really deep inside, I know that they don't do much for me as a photographer. So the, the most, the, 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 the reason that I sort of started chasing different types of images that I was, that I was used to out there. And part of it is just, I got tired of just creating the same thing all the time. It doesn't have anything to do with what other people are or are not doing. Um, even if you make abstraction of all that and you forget what, whether or not an image has been done a million times or not, as a photographer, eventually, it, the only sustainable way to do photography, it's, it's not sustainable to go and recreate the same thing. It, it is for six months, but not for 10 years. At some point, you just hit the wall. It's, it takes the fun out of it. Uh, you don't feel that rush that you get when you create something that to you is fresh and exciting. You got to find a ways to keep things exciting as a photographer. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you're the same where there's, there's types of images that you can go out there and create in 30 seconds with your eyes closed and they're going to be well composed. They're going to be well liked. They're going to be popular. Um, and you can execute 10 of them in one morning. Um, and, and that's not me saying like, uh, blowing my own horn. That's just saying that every photographer is drawn to something that is, 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 is drawn to, uh, within a fairly short time frame, within any field of photography, we'll be able to execute certain types of images very, very quickly and easily. 
It may be the wide, epic, sweeping landscape. It may be the intimate scene. It may be black and white, long, whatever it is. But one year into it, once you have piles of those images, some of which you, you really like, eventually you want to push beyond that. You want to do something a little bit different. And so that, that's partly why I, I you know, started to uh, play around with it. I don't know, for example, the human element a little bit more, just got out at night a little bit more. Um, and I think um, that's, that's a huge reason why for me, and I, I think you'll relate to that, for me, um, I've been really trying hard to put exploration ahead of photography. Because if I, put expo if I keep exploration ahead of photography, then right away I eliminate that potential of just ending up at the location that I've, I've seen in similar like conditions before and recreating the exact same thing that I've done before. Um, I think one, one, way, one, one way that I would recommend that's a great way to just keep innovating as a photographer is just put different scenes in front of you. It makes so much sense, but it's at, and, and in where we live, it's super easy to do, right? And that's not, that's not me saying don't, you know, Oh, I never shoot Vermilion Lakes. I never shoot Bow Lake because I've, you know, that like everything's been, those places are absolutely beautiful. And yes, you can totally get there, go there and get images that are fresh and that have never done before, fresh to you and fresh to the photo community. But if you go somewhere entirely new, well, you know, you're not going to recreate something exactly that's very close to what you've done before. And you have a fresh canvas. And I think that's a wonderful way to keep things fresh and exciting is to just just put in that little extra work to place yourself in front of a brand new scene that is new and exciting and suddenly nothing's been done and and so that's that's one ingredient that i've been really, really trying to chase uh in my work over the last few years given the choice between going back somewhere familiar going going somewhere new i'll always go um somewhere new i just love to fill in the the blanks on the map yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's that's great to hear. Actually, um, I'm pretty sure the, the listener can get uh, a lot of inspiration from that because, um, you know, I think like a, a lot of the times, um, we we're really drawn into that iconic place, and um, like you do this really well because you've been here for such a long time, but all your photos is almost never the same. Like you know, you look at it, it's it's like it's like I've seen so many shots of polls is going to take photo of Vermilion. But when you see a new post of yours, it'd be like, wow, how do you just come up with that? Like, you know, it's like you just come up with something different. So I, I think it's really important that um, a lot of photographers out there, especially those who like just started, recognize that, that photography is, is more like a process and an art, um, you know, like a, more like um, how to get there and, you know, expressing yourself instead of just taking that photo that everyone kind of likes. So, I'm really glad that you kind of mentioned that. Um, and I appreciate that, Stanley. I think I just want to add one more thing to that. I think, yeah. you know, I, I, have, I have the shots, the classic shots, right? Like, it's not like I don't take them. I, I don't want to sound pretentious. I have them. Um, and I used to only shoot that when I go to locations. And now what I tell people, whether it's fellow photographers or people at workshops, is 
why not get both? Get the shot that you've seen online a million times. That's okay. Emulation is a huge part of getting, uh, becoming a better photographer. It's just, it, there's nothing wrong with, trying, wrong with trying to recreate an image that you've seen online. You learn the techniques, you, you deconstruct it, and you figure out why the composition makes sense. Get that shot, but then stick it out and show us how you truly see the place um challenge yourself to come up with something that not not for not for instagram challenge yourself to come up with a shot that you're going to look at five years from now and say wow i can't believe this was vermilion licks that's so cool that's a diff such a different take and that's so much more like me and i think that's when you see a body of work, a unique body of work emerge in certain photography in certain photographers, right? And in, in, in when they, when they force themselves to um, not only take the shot that's perhaps is more considered iconic or the trophy shot or whatever you want to call it, but um, they, they'll stick it out and try to try to get something that's um, maybe a little bit different for themselves because they need to push a little bit beyond what, what comes easily to them. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, you know, part of my workflow now, especially when I come to this popular place, I always, um, you know, I look at Instagram as an inspiration now instead of, you know, the things to go and shoot. So I would go into Instagram and look at some of these nice places, some of these nice point of view. And you're right, I would take that iconic shot first. But because you've seen it before, that will take you like, you know, like you said, the 30 seconds or whatever. But and, you know, don't stop there. Like, keep going and spend the rest of you know your time there looking deeper and looking differently so yeah that's such a great advice that um yeah thanks thanks a lot for adding that um i'm sure like um especially for those of you who kind of just started um it, it took me about seven months and like in when i started um doing uh photography full-time when i realized this so i'm so glad that you mentioned that because it is such an important process i think in photography yeah, and it took me it took me a lot longer than it did for you, Stanley. And honestly, <laughs> really? I, I look at you know, I look at pretty much anything I shot before um twenty fifteen and there's not much. Oh. At least twenty maybe twenty thirteen, and there's not much that stands the test of time for me. And and part of it was that, you know, that was a big period of emulation. And once in a while, I got a little bit lucky with the conditions and I have some images that um, I, I and, and, you know, I have I have those images that might be like a fiery wide sunrise from somewhere. And it's beautiful to look at, but it doesn't feel like mine. It doesn't feel like um, it doesn't have my imprint on it, if you will. Like it, I feel a little bit disconnected from it now. And yes i could and occasionally i will put those images out there but i think it's nice you know um i think as photographers when you can offer something contribute something fresh to the community even though it's an image that may not get a lot of online attention do it because that's what I think that's what people need to see, even though they might not know it. If you go to a place and you get this very unusual scene from those, um, from those locations that are considered overshot, put it out there. We need more of this, right? We need, we need, we need more of this in the community. Um, and I think, um, yeah, so I think, you know, um, con consider that as you put your work out there, it's like, 
the bottom line is do you do you really like the image are you proud of it if you are put it out there who cares what other people think but i think in the long run if you can offer something fresh to the community um you know i would say if if you shot an image because to you it felt like you noticed something at Vermilion Lakes or Bow Lake that you never noticed before and you're excited to create a story around it. Well, you're probably going to be excited to introduce other people to that story as well. Uh, and I think, I think it's just so refreshing to see imagery out there that um, is a blend. You, you have, you know, it's a beautiful sunrise. Sure, let the world appreciate it. We all love the pinks and oranges and the purples. That's great. But then also, uh, it's nice to see a mix of that and maybe the more intimate landscapes or the, the weirder, like, out-of-the-box kind of compositions. I think it's, unfortunately, with social media, I think um, things are heavily tilted towards, you know, the, the, the more formulaic, I guess, images, the images that will appeal to the public as a whole. And less and less so, you see images that without wanting without sounding pretentious hopefully images that offer something new to the community something that the, at least the fellow your fellow photographers will look at the image and be like holy smokes i've never seen i've never seen this take on lake louise that is so cool and then it opens your mind as a fellow photographer when next time you go out there you might act subconsciously um, or not you might actively sort of try to try to seek out those different angles, those that fresh perspective on places. Yeah, that's great. Um, definitely. Um, it's, yeah, that is, I mean, I, I don't really have anything to add to that. That's, that's really good advice. Um, you know, um, like if you like, how, you know, what, what was your inspiration to create this like unique photos? Um, you know, I know you talk about exploration out there, but, um, you know, your photos kind of um, not only have uniqueness into it, but a lot of different perspective to it, right? So do you have like an inspiration or is there anything that um, the listeners can kind of do to create that um, inspiration? Um, because like you say, I think creativity doesn't always come straight away, you know? Um, and I think that's where a lot of people have that misconception for photographer. Um, you know, like you have the eye for it, that it was as if you were born with it. Um, I, I had to learn that myself. And the way I learned it was just, I take 300 photos of the same scene. Like literally, I would just go like, uh, yeah, it's like, okay, that one is better. But that's how I learned composition. Um, you know, from, from your perspective itself, you know, what, what is your inspiration and what can help um, the audience out there in terms of sparking that new and creative um, ideas great question stanley i would say part of it is two things i haven't really touched on as much one of them is um just i mean it, it's related to exploration i just get i just feel a rush when i when i get to a place that I've never seen before. I feel like I get it. I get in touch with my inner five-year-old again, and I feel all all exciting, and I'm buzzing. And I see that in the people I'm getting out with too. I see them transform into little kids. They're so fired up to enter a new valley or see a new lake or, or reach a new summit. It's so exciting. And but but part of it is just even going back, getting a fresh perspective on the places you're familiar with 
can be just as exciting. And you don't need to go uphill for three hours to get that fresh perspective. And that's what I try to encourage people, at, especially in workshop environments. It's amazing how much moving your feet for 10, 15 minutes will open up your mind creatively. It will open up so many opportunities. Um, so it's just a matter of, um, yeah, of, of sort of not settling for the first thing that you see when you get there, no matter how excited you are commit to keeping the camera in the bag for half an hour before you start to tell the story that you like best out of everything that you see, go for a walk, go make a visual inventory of everything that's available and don't commit to something until you're hugely excited about it. I think a lot of people, and I see that in workshops all the time and I'm guilty of it too. A lot of people will commit way too much time to an image that really when they think when they think about it deep down, they were never that excited about the possibility. And then you end up with an image that's a little bit forgettable and that you'll have, you know, will sort of end up on a hard drive a week later for the rest of your life and you'll never see the light of day again. Um, so I think, you know, I try to encourage people to look for the extraordinary uh, set the bar really high in terms of what you want to tell uh, the story of and then commit the time like commit a lot of time it's okay to spend half an hour or an hour to on one image but you're only going to want to do that if the excitement level is through the roof otherwise you're going to lose interest so that's one uh, one big big thing that i think really can get people to um really can drive people to get different create a take their body of work in a different direction the other thing i want to bring up is just i think from a straight up for people who want to do photography as a business whether it's a side income or full time well the bottom line is if you offer the same product as everyone else the only way you're going to make it on the in business is if you scream louder than everyone else and you're going to have to be to have you're gonna you're gonna need huge numbers on social you're gonna need to maybe sound a bit desperate at times you're gonna need to like push your products endlessly you're gonna need to scream louder than everybody else who has the similar shots um and so for me a much better avenue would be well let's give up on that let's create images that are more aligned with your own personality your own view of the world and then you're way more likely five or 10 years down the road to have developed a body of work that people will notice without you having to be super vocal about it all the time. So I think, you know, um, you have, if you're starting to today in, in landscape outdoor photography, you have two choices. You can chase the numbers and you know the recipe to do that, but I guarantee you, you're going to have to do a lot of streaming over the next few years to be heard. Or you can immediately give up on the numbers, chase images that you really like just purely for the chase, not so much for the results, focus on your process and be patient with numbers and the right people will notice. And eventually 10 years down the road, in comparison, you'll end up with a body of work that, is, that stands out a lot more. And you're not going to have to be as um, addicted potentially to the online reaction. You're not gonna have to play the game and be part of that circus nearly as much. And I think it's unfortunate that 
so many photographers who are just starting these days feel like they have to play the game. You don't have to play the game. You don't have to build a following as rapidly as you can and disregard the types of image that you shoot and put the numbers, the, the, the online stats first. You don't have to. There is another way, but it's definitely an uphill battle trying to get people to see that because of course, in, you know, in the first year or two of your business, you're not going to see the same return on investment potentially, but you have to play the long game. I think that's the only way to make things sustainable in photography and 10 years down the road, end up with a body of work that people might, um, people will, will notice and people might look at an image and say, I knew it was your image even before I saw your name attached to it. I just knew it. And that's not true for all the images, but that, that's more likely to happen 10 years down the road. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a really good advice. I think, um, you know, um, there was a student when I was teaching in um, Lake Louis who's like, he's, um, he say one thing to me and which really inspires me. Um, basically, he say, um, you know, like I was there and then we had like a short workshop and I was like, okay, let's go to the next spot and let's, let's get this other good spot. And it's like, no, 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 I'm happy with this. Like if I can get one good shot from this trip, I would be happy. And I think that was such an inspiration for myself um, because I am that kind of person where I just like, I'm trying to get everything at once. And at times by doing that, you gonna miss the more intimate part of it. So yeah, duh, it's, it's really good. Um, you know, like um, I think one of the thing that um, a lot of our listener might be struggling with is time. You know, you might say it's like, okay, um, you, you know, um, go out there and, you know, grab, take your time and grab this um, photo and explore more but they might have work and they have a family. And I know you yourself are, you know, have a lot on your plate, which uh, it's always amazed me how you still find time to go out there and explore new places. So um, what, what advice have you got for uh, the listeners who, who, who feel like they don't have the time to go out there and explore the, the outdoors? That's, I'm so glad you brought up that point, Stanley, because for me, it's the main struggle uh, it, it, with my photo business. It's just the balance is really, really tricky. It's a delicate dance. And some weeks we do really, really good at it. And some weeks we drop, you know, it's, it's, we drop a few balls in that juggling act and some things fall through the cracks. I'll be honest with you. Um, managing two young children, um, we're both, both my wife and I, we try to sort of follow our passions uh, in a way, as a way to make a living. So my wife's a writer. Uh, and so, yeah. And then we want to try to keep doing what we love, what we did before we had kids to a certain extent. We, you know, we have, we still have that passion for the outdoors and we're both, I would say, you know, I would say it's fair to say we're perfectionists. We, we have fairly high standards in terms of what, what, we, what we want to create out there. And we realize that good writing and good photography takes time. Uh, and so all that, uh, all that makes it tricky to fit in everything in 24 hours. And then also the need to just stay healthy to hopefully be able to do this in another 10 years, in another 10 years. 
Um, and so it's, that's another thing to keep in mind. You know, I, I, I'm not proud of my, my average, um, night's sleep, for example, you know, I, I, th but that time has, I, I've got to get it somewhere right now. And right now, you know, I'm, we're working on it. Um, but you know, I only have 24 hours like everybody else. I want to be present for my kids. I want to be, I want to see them grow up. Uh, I want to have, I want to spend quality time with my wife. I want to spend time with friends. I mean, it's so many priorities to juggle. I would say the main things that I've learned that work for us, that's, that's not necessarily for everybody, but for us, it's been hugely important to carve out blocks of time for certain priorities and be very, very strict about not touching them. So we get together at the beginning of the week and we make sure that Meg gets her creative time. Meg gets her outdoor time. I get my creative time. I get Maurito time. We get our time as a family, the four of us. Meg and I get our time together. And like I said, some weeks we manage it beautifully. It's, 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 it's truly an art. And some, some weeks not so well because honestly, we don't have much of a buffer. If any, any sort of curveball gets thrown at us like this week, uh, we had our little one, uh, we had to keep our little one at home the first two days of the week because she had a runny nose, um, which because we don't have a buffer, then it throws a wrench into everything. And it's, it's going to be a week that by the end of it is going to be, you know, not, not, it won't be as well managed as some other weeks. So it, it's tricky, but if you carve out those blocks of time, I think that really, really helps. Um, and I think Another thing is I don't have a lot of field time, but when I'm out there, I'm forced to make it count. Not, not in the sense that I'll try to hit 20 locations in one day like we talked about, but when I'm out in the field, I found that because my time in the field is cut short, I'm way more intentional about everything that I do. I don't cut corners. Uh, I, I, I compose, I try to, I compose, I'm a, but, a bit more picky about composition, exposing properly, getting all the images that I need. Whereas before I had the luxury of time. So I was becoming a bit, I was a bit more sloppy in the field. There's no doubt about it. But now I'm a lot more driven. I'm a guy on a mission. I'm, uh, I operate with a lot more purpose. And of course, I think there's some things that people can do that will just, you know, all, all the techie stuff, all the math, you know, uh, settings, how to uh, know, being, knowing your gear very well, all those things that you can do that won't bog you down in the field and will give you that precious hour in, in a day, in the, you know, those things add up. You can spend a whole day in the field fighting with your tripods, wondering about the exposure triangle, you know, um, and, and, and then, you, then that's going, that's going to cut down on your field time about an hour or two hours because perhaps, or perhaps you're not working with intention. You're all over the place. Um, I think, you know, that I've, I've been forced to be very intentional about how I operate in the field because I have so little field time these days and I have to make it work. So those are the two things that come to mind immediately when it comes to balance is purposely blocking off chunks of time throughout the week so nobody, everybody gets what they need. And then when you do get that precious field time, um, make, make it count by being, being organized and working with a lot of purpose and intention. You know, there's, uh, there's two things about, um, now I want to um, just um, comment on that note there. 
first of all, it is such an inspira- inspiration for, um, for myself, but I'm sure for many of the listeners that you both are chasing your passion. You know, um, I become an engineer because I'll, it was the safe way to do it. And then, you know, I finally got out of it because I realized there was more to life. But it was just so in- inspiring to, to hear that, you know, like even though things, um, things has progressed further and, um, you know, you got busier, you never stop chasing your passion. I think that's something that um, our, our listeners should, should, um, should do a little bit more. And um, the other thing about that is like, you know, do the things that, that you love. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter um, if you're only going to do this a part-time as an amateur, as a hobby, or you want to do it full-time. Yes, you, um, you know, Paul say it all the time, like you might um, have to do the things that you don't like, but don't forget that, you know, to have fun for yourself as well. And um, I think that that two point there is just very, very important um, because for myself, I was very close to burning out because you're right. I was shooting for someone else. I was shooting for the Instagram likes and, you know, the Facebook. And after a while, I was like, you know, it's, it's, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I'm just like going out there, taking a photo and then go back home. It's, there is no really like enjoyment of process. So, um, um, and I think I'll, I'll mention one last thing is that thanks a lot for showing us the inside behind the scene because um, for many of us, I think we, we want to get there. We want to take more photos. We want to get out more, but we have these things like, oh, but I should do this. I should do that. And we, we then come up with a bunch of excuses or uh, a bunch of things that fall, false belief, I suppose, that, you know, give us a perception that we don't have the time to shoot. So, you know, if you can do it, I'm sure many of you can do it as well. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's easy to find excuses, no matter the situation you're in. Um, and there are often a thought that will often come to me, Stanley, is like, I don't honestly, I, I, now that I have kids and I've had kids for seven years, I don't really remember what it was like before. It's weird. It's like, yeah, I, but, but part of me is always like, and I really got after, before I had kids, I was out there a lot, but there's always part of me that's like, holy smokes, if I was ever without kids, I would be out there like crazy. So if you have the luxury of time, you owe it to the rest. Just get out there. Don't make excuses because you might wish one day that you would have been out there a lot more. So get out there. And uh, even if it's cold and whatever, and you're, you're half excited, get out there anyways. And I should, I should add to Stanley because just to to paint, I think, an accurate picture of our situation. Um, there's four of us at Paul Ziska Photography, right? Like it's not a one-man show. And so a lot, you know, we refer to the parts of the business that maybe are a little bit, are, are not field-time, a bit less glamorous, or perhaps I, I enjoy them less. Like we have four people, myself, my wife, Meg, Danielle, and Trixie. And that amounts to probably three people full-time working at PZP, as we call it. So um, it's not like I'm doing all that stuff. So we've got someone on social media. We got someone handling prints, uh, books, inquiries, um, keywording, uh, even some of the editing, some of the commercial projects. Like there's a lot of people involved. But again, I think maybe that can be a third tip for people who wanting to achieve balance 
is get get some help and you don't need um you don't need to wait until you have 30 hours of work to outsource if you have three hours of things that um, are, are, you know, are preventing you from going in the field and you can afford to pay someone to do those things, to, to do those tasks. And perhaps uh, also that person is much better at that stuff than you are. And perhaps they enjoy it more as well. I mean, it makes so much sense. I think a lot of people wait way too long. They wait until they haven't been out in the field for two months before they start outsourcing work to someone else. Um, and so that's been a real big game changer for us to have someone uh, handling a lot of those uh, background tasks for sure. And I'll tell you, honestly, almost everything that I outsource, Meg, Trixie, and Danielle are much better at those things than I am. So it works out really, really well. And I can do what only I can do for the team, which is capture and edit the images right and 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 a lot of the tasks that in a way um other people could do then why not outsource them if you can afford to set aside a hundred bucks a week to pay someone um to do something so that you can get you know those three four hours back in the field then it makes it makes a lot of sense so something to consider for people out there who are trying to do photography uh as a side income yeah totally um i mean um you know that whole thing about focus on the things that you'll get good at the, and the things that you like is um, you know very important um, because at the end of the day if you don't like it first of all you're not gonna do a good job at it um, and second of all you're just gonna burn out because you start doing things that you don't like so yeah that, that's that's a great advice Paul especially for those of you who want to take your photography um, more um, you know further to business side of things so um, it's definitely something that I kind of learned is that, you know, um, a good example that I could use was the website. I, you know, I tried for so long trying to save money on, on creating a website where I could have just spent the money, bite the bullet, and probably would get a better return and a faster return by doing that. So, you know, like if you, if it's really, I think if you're sure about it, you know, go for it. Um, yeah. So that was a great advice. Um, Look, uh, Paul. Thanks a lot. Like, it, it, you know, we're we're coming to uh, the hour mark. So, um, I know you're very busy. I'm just gonna w ask you one more question here. Um, for the people who kind of just started, and they might be like looking at um, people uh, like you and look at the photos, and they might not have that confidence and self belief that they can make it. Um, maybe they they feel like people like you have that, you know the talent or you were a prodigy and you know in in some sort that um that they will never make it there um what what advice do you have for them and maybe um you know if you were to go back to their shoe how you would have tell yourself back you know 20 30 years back to um you know to to get to where you are right now in a nutshell yeah wow that's yeah that's a really good really good question once again stanley i think um what would i tell myself you know when i started photography i started going full-time almost overnight in 2009 or so i dropped everything and decided to go for it um i think as much as i was very lucky with my trajectory in the sense that i 
within a year, the first, within the first year, things went well. Some things fell on my lap. Some things were the result of hard work. Um, but I never had to go back to other types of work and I didn't have to be on the fence for, for at all, really. I just jumped right into it. But I would say um, it's going to go back to some of what we said where just, just try to remember why you got into it in the first place. When you get overwhelmed and you realize that there's that voice inside you telling you you're doing it for the wrong reasons, slow things down. Just, just, um, just halt things completely and think about, okay, do you know, how do I fix the trajectory that I'm on? If you feel like you're in a point, you're in a position where it sounds like you've been to where you're purely creating for the masses and you're, it's not a personal endeavor anymore, then it's time to readjust the target. Right. Um, and I think that's such an easy, especially in these days with social media and all that, it's such an easy uh, trap to fall into as photographers. So it, and it's always, it's an ongoing battle. You're always battling that desire to please the public and all that. And you always have that, that, you know, the little angel, the little demon on the two shoulders. And it's like, Oh, should I just, am I pressing the shutter a hundred percent for myself or a hundred percent for the public? Or is it somewhere halfway, halfway in there on the spectrum? But bottom line is I think there, there always has to be that consistency of, of creating for yourself. It's a cliche, but it has to be there throughout to some extent for things to work out. Um, so I would tell people just whenever you feel like, don't try not to lose sight of what got you excited about photography in the first place. And chances are, it's not because you wanted to, uh, you wanted to be popular, you know. Um, you probably left that at high school. It was another reason that got you into photography in the first place. Um, and, and I think part of another thing I would tell myself is just try not to be too scattered. Try not to do it all. It's very tempting, especially when you start, you want to say yes to absolutely everybody who comes knocking. And I did that for a few years and I ended up just feeling so scattered and doing a lot of things, um, you know, okay, but not, not really becoming really good at one thing. So my advice to anybody starting, and that's true from a business perspective, as well as for people who don't have no interest in making money out of their image is just, just focus on one or two fields or one or two streams of revenue and really get after it. Be, you know, Put, put all your effort into those things until you feel like you, you, you handle them really well and they're well-oiled machines and then go on and tackle something else. And then, by all means, then for us has been crucial through COVID and stuff, then diversify. Um, so many photographers have their eggs in one basket. Um, and I would say I never want to be in that position. It's way too volatile an industry to have all your eggs in one basket. So. I would recommend start with a couple streams of income whenever, when you feel like your ROI is really good and you're doing those things with your eyes closed and they're really well oiled machines. Then maybe once a year, add one stream of income, one stream of revenue. And 10 years down the road, you find yourself with in a situation where it's okay if two or three things, um, uh, two or three streams of, of uh, revenue just tank. 
because you've got those other five that are going okay that are, are making up for it and, you, and it, you're not losing sleep over it. I think diversifying the way that you do photography um, will be the way to go in the foreseeable future because, you know, it's, and that's, that makes it such an exciting time to do photography, especially people who want to do photography as a, as a side income or full-time job is there's just so many ways to make it work in 2020, so many different ways. Um, and I keep seeing photographers come up with new creative ways to generate income, especially, especially COVID has been amazing for that. Um, and so I think, um, I, I think it's, 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 it's a good thing that we have just so many ways that we can make it work as photographers without having to commit to one stream of income and then just bank everything on that. So that would be my other advice to myself would be just don't be too scattered at the beginning and then just gradually add uh, the other items as, as you manage, you start to figure out that you manage the rest really, really well. And you got a good handle on things. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think it, that's not only applied to business, also with uh, photography. Um, I think, you know, if you could, especially for those of you kind of just start, I think if you could focus on one skill instead of trying to do a whole lot of things, I think you will get there a lot faster, you know. Um, multitasking is not a thing. <laughs> it's, it's what people say, but it actually doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, it, that's, that's a great advice, um, both for photography and also for business side. Um, well, thanks a lot, Paul. Like, um, it's it's been amazing, and um, you know, the the inspiration and the story that you 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 share today here, I'm sure is gonna be an inspiration to the listeners, and um, hopefully push the listeners to go out there. Um, I know you, you've got you've managed a lot of um Facebook groups, and I follow a lot of your Facebook groups. Every single one of them always inspires people to get out there, and it's, it's one of the the reason why um, you know, I want you to be here. Um. But look, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners too. Um, where, where can we find you? Where can the listener find you for those of you who want to learn, um, who want to learn a little bit more about yourself and um, what you do and also some of your stunning photos? Uh, thanks, Stanley. I mean, I'm easy to find online. I'm at Paul Ziska Photography. Uh, pretty much, uh, yeah, every Paul Ziska photography on Facebook. Uh, the website is ziska.ca, Z I Z K A.ca. That's where all the workshops are listed, the books, the print information. I've got business course on there. Uh, we talked a lot about business, um, a lot, a few different courses on there. So everything is on the website. Uh, what I consider to be my best work from over the years, my favorite images are on there as well. You can also follow uh, lots of people like Instagram, Twitter. I'm at uh, Paul Ziska Photo on there. So I'd love to interact with you on there. And uh, yeah, otherwise, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm easy to find, easy to reach via email. If anybody has questions, I do my very best to get back to everyone. And so, uh, yeah, drop me a line if, uh, if you feel I can assist with anything. And um, yeah, it, it, it's been an amazing discussion, Stanley. I think we touched on a lot of great, important topics. Uh, given we just had an hour to work with, I think we covered a lot of ground and, uh, yeah, I'm very thankful for the opportunity. I, it was really a pleasure and I appreciate all the thoughtful questions. Ah, that's great. Um, yeah, look, uh, it was, it was definitely a, a really good, um, conversation. Um, you know, not only the listeners, I was learning a lot from that. So <laughs> thank you for your, um, wisdom and also your knowledge there. But yeah, look, um, thanks a lot, um, Wicked Hunters. And um, we're going to wrap this up. Um, you know, I'm sure Paul's just going to have a lot of other things um, 
and uh, take care of his children and also his business side of things and also go out there and shoot more so that you could be more inspired but thanks a lot for tuning in for listening in and yeah look um don't forget to subscribe and um, check out Paul Ziska's link and I will put the link to all the links on the comment. So if you um, can't find it on the website, which I highly don't, you know, I highly doubt it. All you have to do is just type in Paul Ziska. It'll be everywhere, but it will be there for you. So um, thanks a lot for tuning in, um, Wiki Hunters, and I'll see you guys next week.